Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 52 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store for you all today with a great guest. Before we bring on that guest, let's bring in my partner in crime from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's up, man? Well, I just about had a heart attack earlier with the Braves. You know, they were up 4-3 in the ninth. Will Smith proceeds to come in. Walk three batters to start the inning somehow, strikes out the side. So two and a half game lead, play the Phillies three this week. So hopefully we can finish it off and and clinch the division again. So, but yeah, they uh Will Smith likes to stress you out a little bit, but somehow he's still he 35 saves now. It's pretty crazy. Decent ERA, not sure how, but hey, we're here. <laughs> we're talking baseball. It's gonna be a great night. I am looking forward to it. September baseball, there's nothing better. I got, you know, it's currently 8.30 p.m. on the East Coast. Got the Red Sox-Yanks on my TV next to me. Currently one nothing Sox. Huge game tied for the first wildcard spot. So I'm stressing out too. So you might hear some uh, me grumbling in the background or something <laughs> bad happens during the game. But let's go ahead and bring on our guest. You can find her on Fantrax HQ, the Rest of Season Rankings podcast, and on the wonderful SP Streamer podcast on the Fantrax Podcast Network, where she brings great analysis and keeps Michael Simeone in check with his weird takes about pancakes. <laughs> Lauren Auerbach joins us. Lauren, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm I'm good, guys. I'm doing good. Uh, it's it's very um, I'm very happy to be here, and it's uh, nice to be here with you guys. So I'm looking forward to talking some baseball, even though. We just did. We just had that stressy Will Smith uh, scenario yeah. go down, but it's it's, it's okay. good to have another Braves fan. I think you're the first yeah. Braves fan that we've had on the pod, or like that that's really in the industry. Like that I, I really, cannot be possible. Really, it, it, it seems like everybody in the industry is like a Mets fan. So it's good to have another. <laughs> that's Braves true. Fan. It, yeah, that is true. There are a lot of yeah. Mets fans, including Michael Simeone, Matt yeah. Williams, mm-hmm. probably several others I can't think of. But yeah, oh, there's plenty. Ariel really Cohen. There, any Braves? Oh yeah, Ariel Cohen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, there's, there's a lot of people in like the New York area too. So. We'll have to start some sort of club, Chris. Some sort yeah. of uh, yeah, <laughs> that works for me. Braves podcast yeah. baseball head club. You know, there we go. I like that. <laughs> maybe maybe you have to put out a tweet trying to find more you know fantasy baseball analysts that are Braves fans. Ooh, we'll right. we'll have to get on this. There's got to be more. I, I there think, has to be more. Yeah. Well, Justin Johnson is. He's a Braves. Oh, okay. Man. Ju- yeah. 
can't think of many more though, actually. There's just not people in this area. Like honestly, like in South Carolina, I think Jesse Roche is the only other one and he just moved here and he's a Nats fan. Yeah, he's Nats. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know many in North Carolina or Georgia. So yeah, it's interesting. Okay. We'll have to we'll put it out there and figure out. We'll we'll figure can. it out. We'll we'll get some new members. I think we can do it. I think so. It'll be the Will Smith Support Club. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I know about that. We were talking like I don't know Craig Kimbrell, Papelbon, they were great, but you know, give you a, a headache before they get the save there. Mm-hmm. But got the save, right? That's all that matters. Now, yeah. what do you guys two two and a half up on the Mets or something like two that? Two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Final week, baby. One That's more week. Be fun. Crunch time. Post- crunch time. And we get the postseason, best time of the year, in my opinion. But yep. all right, before we get into this week's episode, let's do the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Lauren is at LK Auerbach, A U E R B A C H. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ network, including our other podcasts, SP Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Defined Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. Let's get right into this week's episode. We have a lot of fun topics uh, on the docket today. Um, Some prospects, some MLB, mostly MLB, but um, let's start with Luis Robert, who has been on an absolute tear since he came back uh, overall this season, slashing 349, 387, 560, 10 home runs and five steals in just 62 games. So uh, about like a 27 home run, 14 steal pace. And we all know he's capable of more steals than that, but he's made a lot of improvements at the plate, which is the reason why everyone should be excited about him. Lauren, what have been your thoughts about Lewis Robert this season and how should people be valuing him kind of moving forward? Uh, you know, I he kind. It's like once he came back, it's just like, bam, he came yep. back. You know, and it was great to see because I think that he's, you know, he's really a dynamic player when healthy. He's got that power speed uh, combo, um, and you know, he had this, he had this in the in the majors, but it was something you know, like you had referenced his ability to get on base and kind of hit and it, it, you know with his it, with his plate discipline, it was just it's a little it's been a little wonky, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that one of the reasons. Uh, he's done so well since he's come off the IL um, is because he's improved his ability to kind of hit all pitch types. You know, he's made this uh, kind of change at the plate where he's striking out less. Uh, he's, he has a t- uh, 20.4% strikeout rate right now. Um, you want to compare compare that to his 2020 where it was 32.2. Um, he's not really walking. He's also walking less, you know, but uh, he's been able to maintain this. He's got a 349 uh, batting average. He's still getting on base. Um, but going back to that ability to kind of figure out how to improve uh, his hitting on all pitch types, it, I think that's done wonders for him. You know, he's got an ex- expected batting average of 268 or higher on all pitch types this season. And you compare that to uh, 2020, where it was 237 or lower. Um, so something has clicked. He's made some changes. Uh, he's been hitting the ball harder. He's seen a big decrease in his uh, whiff rate from 41.5 to 27.7%. Um, this year versus last year. And so, you know, like, like you had referenced that he's, he's on pace for a 27, 14 season. He's got that batting average. I I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I think that, uh, I think that he will shoot up some boards, uh, draft boards, uh, next season. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, I, I thought that yeah, I kind of was talking with somebody else about this about a week or so ago that he could be a guy that gets taken in like third, fourth round, whatever it may be, that could finish as a first round guy. Just mm-hmm. you know, if these improvements stick, like you mentioned, the walk rate has dipped, but whiff rate contact rates have all been dramatic improvements this year. And yeah, it's only been what 62 games, so it's like a massive sample size, but that's that's what he needed was if these improvements stick, we know he has the power speed. Like he has one of the top five, you know, fantasy ceilings in the game. I'd say he's his ceilings right up there with Acuna and Tatis and all them. I truly believe that. So if these stick next year, I think he could be, you know, top fifteen by the end of the season. You know, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, and you know, dating back to last year, and even as a prospect, I thought he got a little overhyped. You know, many consider him like the number one prospect. I thought his stats got really inflated when we saw that power outbreak in 2019 because most of the damage was done in AAA Charlotte. And Charlotte is one of the like highest park factors in the minor leagues for home runs, like plays up to like course field, even higher. Like, you know, it was that big of a difference that we saw. And I didn't think the power was sustainable. And then we saw the epic first month last year and then how he fell off so hard in September I didn't know what to expect. You know, last year he had the highest swing strike rate in baseball. Contact rate was 61.4%, which was bottom like three in of, of among all hitters. And this year we've meant y'all hit on it and the change exactly that. I mean, the contact rates up 13%, which is incredible to see zone contact, especially at 86% is great to see. Those are things you want to see moving forward. I think when you look at the power speed upside, you mentioned the pace that he's on. I think he's got even more in the tank than that. I think that he's got like Fernando Tatis upside for the power speed that that we're seeing here. So I think a a 30-30 season isn't out of the question. And you you mentioned if the price tag's third or fourth round next year, I'm going to be getting a lot of shares of Luis Robert because I think that that's a great price point for him. I think the average is a little inflated this year. Even if it comes down, he's a 280 hitter with the power speed. That's that's really going to play. I'd, I'd be thrilled with that in the third or fourth round. If he played all year, gave me a 280 average. And even if he was a 30 20 type guy, I think you get great return on investment there. So I'm excited. He's still young. And I think that's the thing we have to mention. Just, just turn 24 and guys make adjustments. They make adjustments constantly. They're constantly refining their game, and especially a player talented as he is. He's going to keep improving and getting better. And so I'm excited to see the, the improvements he's made and excited to see what he'll do moving forward. Yeah, what was yeah. he? Was he like early forties drafted last season? Was it like kind of forty? That's a good question. I think. Um, I, I think he was definitely like at least top sixty. Okay, I think yeah. he was. Less. I think he was pretty high. Was it higher than that? that was was, am I am I underselling it? <laughs> well, I will say while you're looking that up, Lauren, mm-hmm. um, I've been in one early mock draft for 2022 because you know I'm a degenerate. <laughs> and it was with uh, Matt Williams put it on 12 teams. Some people, mm-hmm. in, um, you know, Zach Roto, Emily moving averages, Paul Spore, Justin Mason, uh, Casey Bubba, some people that are in it. And Robert went pick 37. Okay. So he was 42 last season. Okay. 42. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I expect, you know, I think people may be a little, you know, they're burned by him. But then again, mm-hmm. this ends of season third. I think that cancels out. So, yeah, he'll probably be right around you know, third, fourth round and, and 12, 15 team or so. Yeah. Um, and that, that's good. I like that because I think he can definitely go 30 plus home runs. You know, I want to see how much he runs next year, though. But mm-hmm. um, definitely, you know, power speed upside is there. And hopefully these improvements stick. And, you know, it, he looks totally locked in. He's just hitting tank after tank after tank. So, um, yeah, very, 2022 is going to be a very fun year for Luis Roberts. So 
really excited yeah. to see what he and as can I'm do. Saying, I think with the um, kind of, I think he's only had a couple steals actually, but um, you know, I kind of attribute that to partially with his kind of hip flexor strain and maybe just mm. kind of taking it easy since he's come back and maybe that, yep. you know, maybe next season that'll be unleashed a little bit more. I hope so. Cause yeah. yeah, you can't keep a beast like that in the cage. You gotta let, <laughs> let him run, let yep. him run. Yeah, I, let I, him have, run. I have many Louis Robert dynasty shares. So yeah, let him run, let him, let run. him swing. I want 30, 30 out of him next year. At least, at least 20 steals. Give me at least 20. I'll be okay yeah. with that. But the, also yeah. the White Sox don't steal much, which is concerning. You think yeah. like Moncada yeah. was a 50 steal guy in the minors, Tim Anderson, they both stole 50 bags and Moncada hasn't run much at all. Anderson's like 20 steals now. So hopefully Robert gets to 20. But I was looking, they they only the team has 54 total steals this year, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Damn Larissa. Yeah. Yeah. Not but hey, run. The, the Reds only have 34 steals as a team, which is <laughs> yeah, that's well, brutal. Well, who's, I didn't fast, realize who's, that. who's fast on the Reds? It's like Jeez. Winker, Castellanos, no Fado, no Suarez. What's the fastest guy? It, Jonathan India is like their quote unquote Probably. fastest guy. Yeah, what he has like <laughs> 10, 12 steals. <laughs> wow, that's that's insane. But yeah. uh moving on here, another outfielder surging of late. Maybe doesn't have quite the upside that Luis Robert has, but Austin Hayes has been performing very well over the last month or so. It's been one of the hottest hitters in baseball over the last yeah, a month or so. Overall, you know, 257, 22 home runs, 70 RBI, 70 runs. Doesn't really stand out, but a lot of that has been over the last month or two here. In the second half of the season, he's saying 266, 309, 504, and then in um September alone, 297, 354, 648, eight home runs, 21 RBI, and six doubles and 99 plate appearances here. Chris, do you think this is something that you know could be continue over in the next year, or maybe it's just a hot streak? But what are your, what are your thoughts on Austin Hayes for 2022 and beyond? Um, I'm a fan. I think that he gets pretty much underrated each year, and he's still young too, just 26 years old. You know, the power upside's always been there, in my opinion. The hit tools had some question marks, and yeah, he matches lefties. That's the biggest thing. And he's been pretty fortunate this year. They faced a lot of lefties. In the splits, I mean, he's had 190 at-bats against lefties, 273 against righties. So that, for the splits, like, that's actually a pretty good number there. And hitting 305 against lefties for the year, 223 against righties. I'd like to see him improve a little bit against right-handed pitchers. But you mentioned, I, I think that, I don't think the September is what we should expect, but I think that he's a solid player. I, you know, I had him on a lot of teams early on and even dropped him in some thinking that he would be a solid contributor. Just didn't really do much of that in early season, but we've seen the strikeout rate come down pretty much each month. And, you know, in September, 18.2%, like that's, that's a solid number for him, especially with the contact rates up hitting for average, he's doing everything you want to see. And I think he could be a 275 type hitter and give you 25 home runs. And I think that he's going to fly under the radar next year and be a potentially good value. He even chips in a few steals here and there. I'm not expecting him to be a big runner, but he's capable of stealing you five, eight bags, in my opinion. So if he does that and gives you 25 home runs, it's certainly a good play. You know, the, the walk rate is a concern. He doesn't walk much, but as long as he's putting the ball into play, I'm not overly concerned. And the contact rate is good. His zone contact is good, and it's always been good. He makes a lot of contact, swings early and counts, and jumps on pitches, which kind of limits his walks, but even still. So he, he's probably a little less valuable in an OBP format. But I think in a bang average league, he could hit 270, 275, and you know, that would be a decent expectation for him, I think. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like 270, 25 home runs, add in, you know, handful of steals, five, six, seven steals, you know, good hitters ballpark there with in Camden Yards. But you look at his metrics, they're all kind of like middle of the road, give or take, like, you know, 10th percentile either way. So, yeah, I think he's going to be solid, but I, he might get bumped up a little too high uh, in 2022 drafts uh, for me, just because I think of this hot spring or hot uh, September, uh, it'll bump him probably a little too high for me. But, Lauren, what are your thoughts? Oh, I was going to say, you know, I'm just curious what you guys think about his power because I know that he's sitting at 22 right now. Um, and you have to keep in mind that, you know, he had he was losing playing time earlier in the season because he really scuffled, you know, kind of out of yeah. the gate. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess in 2017, he had a combined 32 home runs in the minors, but that was 2017. And, you know, since then, uh, he never really hit more than 17. So do you guys see more power than 25? Or you think he's kind of like a solid 25? I think, I think low to mid twenties. I think he's where he's going to settle mid-20s. in. Yeah. yeah. I, I think in a, in a neutral park, middle of the road hitters park, he'd probably be like a 18, the 21, 22 guy. Camden mm-hmm. elevates that a little bit, get you know, extra couple in Camden. So yeah, I think, you know, a lot of mid, low to mid twenties, maybe he gets some, you know, runs into a 27, 28 homer season, maybe 30 at peak, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see any like mid thirties or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was looking at his expected home runs, like based on park, Camden, if he played every game in Camden, 24, Seattle, 24. But he's topped at 24. And then some some of the parks are like 19. Kansas City's 13. That's kind of crazy. Kansas City is yeah. always – what was it? There was a player like a couple weeks ago we were talking about that where yeah. it's like Kansas City was like super low for them. It's like 20 home runs lower. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's so many well, factors that don't go into the expected home runs, so it's hard to like you know, judge right. it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's – I think 22, 25 – yeah, because he's only got 500 um, plate appearances this year, so could expect that to tick up if he's playing full time next year. So, especially playing in Camden, I think that gives him a, a pretty good boost there. Yeah, yeah. So like 270, 25, five or six deals. That's like what a top 150 ish player kind of somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. curious. I think he'll go outside the top 200. Think so. I don't know. Recency bias really gets people. So it's possible that the September sneaks in and it sure does. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see where he gets taken next year, but um, another outfielder here, one more outfielder before we move on. Tyler O'Neill just hasn't stopped being really good at baseball. Um, You look at his savant page and it's just beautiful. Mostly beautiful. Um, He's one of the, rare you know few baseball players right now that have an average exit velocity hard hit rate barrel rate and sprint speed all 95th percentile or above he also has you know 93rd percentile x slug 75th percentile xba 96th percentile x woba but you know the approach is still an issue fourth percentile whiff rate and k rate 29th percentile walk rate he's still walk striking out 31.8 percent of the time so i'm still kind of waiting for the you know, wheels to fall off, so to speak. He's incredibly talented. There's no denying that. He's 32 home runs, 14 steals, 281, 348, 544 slash. So I think he's going to be a guy that is always going to be like end of the year, you know, in Roto. Like the stats will be there. He'll, I think 30, 10 plus. I think that's definitely in play with his power speed. But maybe in head to head formats, he's going to be a little bit maddening to roster because of that K rate might cause some ups and downs like it has this year. But uh, Lauren, what have you, what have you seen from O'Neill? 
this year? What yeah, it's like funny. Him? It's uh, yeah, I surprisingly I do, but I'm also hesitant. But he's yeah. he's you know, it's like one of these things where you know you reference this. It's it really comes down to kind of his plate approach, and he's got a 32.8 percent K rate, and it's just like that's you know you always wait for that bottom to fall out a little yep. bit, you know. But um, he had a low point in July, but uh, he basically you know he's he's adjusted and he's bounced back from that, and he's you know hitting over 300 in both August and September, which I find surprising um but you know and i think thinking about you know next season uh say he's like say like a 30 10 maybe 250 i mean that still plays and i think that yeah. you you take that all day right and so Absolutely. um i i am kind of i'm kind of into tyler o'neill a little bit i'm i'm he's been able to do this with you know like i said not a good uh strikeout rate and uh, you know, I, it's one of those things I feel like you just don't really question and then you just roll with it and know that you can get some power, speed, and an average that won't, you know, uh, do that much damage to you. He's kind of giving me some, like, Teoscar Hernandez vibes mm-hmm. exactly. a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, yeah. and we've, we've seen how Teoscar's kind of transformed his game in the last couple of years. Chris, do you think O'Neill can do that same kind of transformation and vault up to, like, a... Do you see that a time where we're ranking him as, like, a top 50 guy? you think that's possible? I don't know. I think he's going to go... I think he'll be a top 60 draft pick next year. I, I wouldn't so be surprised too. at all, Ooh, but I, I got to pull up where he went in that draft. Yeah, I'm interested. It, it's so interesting to look at his numbers from last. And I know last year was a small sample to this year, but just looking at his, his contact rates are identical. Zone contact rates are identical from last year. And, you know, last year he slashed 173, 260, 360. And now this year, We've seen the the transformation, and he's like you mentioned, he's been smacking it 281, 348, 544. So it's just been interesting to see. And with the strikeout rate, it's crazy to see these kind of numbers. I mean, yeah, he's running a high Babbitt, but the sprint speed's so good that he probably is a guy that will run high Babbitts consistently. But I want to think that there's regression coming. I feel like there's Javi Baez in the profile as well. Like I see both well, Teoscar yeah. Hernandez and Javi Baez mm-hmm. type numbers yep. here when i look at them they can scorch the ball like o'neill hits it harder than hobby bias does consistently they both strike out a lot the contact rates are are kind of meh but t oscar made that improvement this year and it's not impossible to think that o'neill can i mean he's just 26 mm-hmm. years old this is really his first full major league season i mean you look i mean he debuted in 2018 but just 142 plate appearances then 151 in 2019 and last year, 157. So his first full season. So it's not impossible to think that he makes an adjustment. And, you know, another difference this year is that he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot less. And when you're hitting line drives more consistently, you're going to see the batting average tick up. Line drives obviously produce highest batting average there. And so the ground ball rate has dropped about 8%. And that 8% is going all to line drives specifically. Still, the fly ball rate's been consistent. And his home run to fly ball rate's ticked up, which I think is kind of due to the hard hit rate going up and the, the average exit velocities, which are encouraging. It'll be interesting. I don't know if I can buy in if he goes like top 60. There just feels like a lot of volatility there. But again, you look, and if you can get 30-plus home runs and 15 steals potentially, even yeah. with a 250 average, that's pretty intriguing. And so it's hard to hard to argue that. He went, I just found it, he went later than I thought in that mock. Uh, Mike Carter took him at pick 92. Um, I, I would take him there. Probably yeah. should have gone higher than that. Like some outfielders, he went behind uh, Austin Meadows, Byron Buxton, George Springer, uh, Randy Rosarena. I'd probably take him ahead of all those guys, mm-hmm. or at least, yeah, probably I would. 
Um, but yeah, so that's actually not a bad hmm. spot. If he's back end top 100 as opposed to, you know, pushing top 60, 70, that's not a bad spot. You know, maybe get him as your second outfielder, something like that. So um, yeah, he could be a sneaky pick, you know, he yeah. could be. Yeah. Maybe people are still scared off by the, mm-hmm. the K rate, the whiff rates, um, which are, you know, he has a whiff rate above 42% against both breaking pitches and off speed. And, you know, that's not, not a great recipe for success, but yeah, it's been like the power speeds there. There's a lot of red on that savant page. He's very mm-hmm. strong, very fast individual. So um, yeah, I, I'm mostly buying in. I, I think he can succeed. I, I don't think he's going to hit 281 again. I think this, this could be the highest average we ever see out of him, yeah. but uh, I like what you said, Lauren, but 250, I think that, you know, 250, 260 range, I think is fair because with how fast he is, his quality of contact metrics, he's going to have a little bit of higher BABIP than he probably should. Um, so that'll mm-hmm. help, you know, boost that average a little bit. So uh, yeah, 250, 260 is fine. 30, 15, that's still top 100 guy right there. So yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Mostly Would you him. take him or Javi Baez next season? Mm. So Javi now has shortstop and second base eligibility, which uh, I know. I, I just don't like Javi. I, I like Javi Baez. He looks like a fun guy. He looks like I could have you know fun <laughs> hanging out with him. But I, I every time I've had him in fantasy, whether it's Reader after Dynasty, I, I just, it makes me want to pull my hair out. I, I just, so I'm kind of like out on Baez. I know he's still good, and I'm not saying yeah. he's a bad player and you shouldn't draft him at all. But man, I just can't bring myself to draft Javi Baez, even with I don't know, maybe with multi position eligibility that could be really valuable next year. But I don't, I don't see. Know. I have a hard time quitting Baez. I like I because I feel like I know what I'm getting, and it's just like nothing's really you know he's gonna have these That's high true. you know K rates. So I know what I'm getting with him. Yep. But I mean, he's still. I mean if you look outside of 2020, you know, I mean, he's hit 29 homers or more in three of the past four seasons. And that comes with like a healthy kind of dose of stolen bases. You know yeah. what you're getting. Um, you know what his plate discipline is, but he somehow still manages to do it. And so um, I would, I would lean personally. I think I would lean hobby because I know that he has that track record, but I also am not shying away from uh, Tyler O'Neill either. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I think I would lean O'Neill, but it's, it's, it's yeah. very close. It's very close. Javi's been a completely, different player in new york since they since they mm-hmm. were doing the thumbs down to him i don't know what happened but i mean <laughs> that was right, hilarious so since, by the way yeah right mm-hmm. <laughs> since joining new york i mean he's 299 369 535 slash nine home runs five stolen bases still 28.7 percent k rate but his walk rate would be like the highest of his career at seven and a half percent so whoa i don't know I, if I never, stick, watch but. out i never thought like javi baez and <laughs> 369 OBP and seven and a half walk percent walk rate will ever be in, in the same mm-hmm. sentence, but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it is career high. So. Career high walk rate is 5.9% over a full season. That makes sense. How, what year was that? Uh, 2017. Not, not too long ago. Yeah. But yes, yeah. 369 OBP. That's surprising. Yeah. What, what's his career OBP? I'm, I'm going to guess 330. Lower. Lower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I way off? Mm-hmm. 310. Uh, there you go. 306. 306. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I was giving him too much credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. 330 is high. But uh, where did he go? I mean, well, I get the draft up here. I feel uh, like he's going to go much higher than O'Neill. There's too much name value. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he and went... He's just done it. Like you mentioned, Lauren. He's just had, mm-hmm. the, he's had the production year over year. Yeah. He went 50th overall to mm-hmm. Casey Bubba. Okay. So, yeah, that's probably about right. But if you, if you ask about value, if we, if it's O'Neill at 92 or buys at 50, I'll probably take O'Neill at 92. Yeah. 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 But, 
Yeah. Very if they're similar in a similar players. spot, I think I lean Baez, especially with that second base eligibility. Yeah. If, if they're yeah. a similar price tax, yeah, I definitely would go Baez as well. But yeah, both uh, very talented, but very maddening to roster. But <laughs> uh, keeping it in St. Louis, though, Paul Goldschmidt's been having a resurgent year here. And in my one head to head league, he almost sunk me this week, which, you know, that three day stretch where he had like nine hits and four home runs is, you know, Maybe we wrote Paul Goldschmidt off as an elite first baseman a little too early. Yeah, he's 34 years old, but you know, this year, 294, 366, 517 slash, 31 home runs, 98 RBI, 100 runs, 12 steals. That's like a you know, elite Paul Goldschmidt peak season. He's back doing that again. Highest XBA of his career, highest exit velocity uh of his at least in the you know savant era, highest barrel rate since 2018. Know highest hard hit rate of his career, so um, yeah, it looks like he's having a little bit of a resurgence here. And you know, do you guys think he's still a top five first baseman moving forward? Because you know, outside of I think there's like three at the top. There's obviously Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman. They're the t- you know top two. I'd probably put Olsen third, but after that, I think Goldschmidt has a strong case for number four right now. Lauren, what do you think? I agree. I mean, I think that he he is uh, kind of in 2020 for sure. I mean, um, you know, he could. Ma- I, I mean, you'd put him higher than Abreu, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll take him yeah. over Abreu. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, <clears throat> he is to me. I think that. I mean, I will say, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but I, I totally wrote him off uh, a little bit this season prematurely, and. Um, you know, it's kind of looking at, you know, his hard, his hard hit rate had been going down uh, each year since 2017. And um, I was just like, well, you know, he's, he's getting, he's getting up there. His, his slugging percentage had, had taken a big drop, but man, you know, I was wrong. And I don't really, you know, it's, it, when you look at these numbers, I mean, they're, they're really in line with, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt minus his 12 steals. I don't know where those 12 steals are coming from. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, last time he had double digit steals was in 2017. Um, and I would have bet money kind of going into this season that, uh, you know, I think you could maybe get like a handful of steals from him. So it's really, I think those uh, 12 steals have really kind of buoyed his uh, production this, this season. But yeah, I mean, his, his savant page is a sea of red. Um, I'm, I'm in on, on Goldschmidt. And I think that he's definitely a top five, uh, first baseman 2022. <laughs> Forgot what year we were in there. That's here. <laughs> it's yeah, like 2020. It, it yeah. all blends together. It lasts, yeah. Like, yeah. lasts like two years. Like, it feels like right. I was just at first pitch Arizona mm-hmm. in October of 2019. And now it's that was two years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just been a whirlwind. But uh, Chris, Chris, what do you think? I don't know. I, I, we definitely can't count on the steals again. I would mm-hmm. expect, yeah, you know, it probably regressed to less than five steals next year. And I don't know where they come from. I don't know. It's interesting to me. I just wonder when the drop off is because we saw with Joey Votto. I know Votto's had an incredible year this year, but Votto fell off at age 34. Not saying that has to be the case with Goldschmidt. I mean, to me, it looks like it's sustainable. Last year, it looked like he sacrificed power a little bit for the contact skills to come back after the down 2019 season where he hit just 260. Like that wasn't the Paul Goldschmidt we knew. He still hit for power, 34 home runs in 2019. But last year, it looks like he took a step back power-wise, and said, you know what, I'm going to focus on contact. And this year now we're kind of seeing the best of both again. So I don't know. It, it just depends on where his draft call says. I'm not – first base is kind of shallow, though. So, you know, who else do you have in the top five? You mentioned it. I, I easily go Freddie, Vlad, and Olsen. But after that, I'm not sure where else I'd go. So I think it's 
reasonable to say that he probably should be a top five, at least for redraft. I'm, I'm not going to go that high for for dynasty because the age, and I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of other factors that go in there, but certainly going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see where, where his value ends up next season in drafts. Yeah, I think the only other two that you can make a case for are probably Max Muncie and maybe Pete Alonzo, but uh, I still wouldn't take, I'd still take Goldschmidt. For 2022, I'd take Goldschmidt. For Dynasty, I'd probably take at least Alonzo over Goldie. Mm-hmm. Muncie, I don't know, they're probably in the same, I think they're probably in a similar range in my rankings, but uh, Goldschmidt went, I'm trying to find him in that mock draft. Uh, I should just use Control F because I cannot find, I thought I'd be able to find <laughs> his name. It's so, so long. Um, <laughs> Oh, it's because somebody colored him as an outfielder or not a first baseman. That's why oh. uh, <laughs> we, we color coded this like NFBC. He actually went in the. Oh, yeah, I took him. Dirt. Uh, <laughs> nice. Totally forgot I took him. Uh, <laughs> Who colored him wrong? Eric. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Wow. Out of myself there. Um, oh, it's, it's OK. It's just a slightly different color of purple. It wasn't like it was that bad, um, but n- enough to throw my eyes off. Yeah, I got him in the eighth rounds at pick. What is that? 90 or no? no yeah, like 91 or not. Yeah, he was right, right before Tyler. I took him four picks before Tyler O'Neill. So that's pretty fair. That's mm. yeah, that's not that's not bad. I already had Olsen. I took Olsen in the third round, but I was like, I like the value in Goldschmidt there. And it was just some it, 10 round mock, so who cares? But um, Goldschmidt's ADP last year was 92. So you, you gotta he, think that goes, I bet you that goes up to what 60 to 70 range. It's gotta go up at least a couple rounds. You think? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd probably take Pete Alonzo over him. Muncie, Muncie's probably in a similar range, but I don't know. You can probably count on more batting average from Goldschmidt than Muncie, in my opinion. But yeah, I'm looking yeah, at the first I mean, base ADP last year, and it's just brutal to look at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why I, mean, I think I, yeah. I think I want a first baseman early in 2022. So. Like that's why I, I I'm not going to pay up. You know, obviously Vlad. It depends on draft slot, but if I can get like an Olsen in the third or fourth round, I'm probably going to go do that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I still think that he, he. I think he just puts up. He's putting up kind of like you know very strong borderline. I think like elite numbers across at least four categories that you can count on. I think, and I think that you know at you know, like you know like what we were saying is that it's it's not you know the deepest uh, position, um, and so I think that you know you you can count on it. I think at least like thirty home runs from from him. You know he's got a career two ninety three average. He's going to be chipping in a very very healthy dose of you know runs and RBI. And again, you know you can't you know you're not gonna have double digit steals, but that's all that's all good. Like I'll I'll take that in a you know for a for a first base position that's not that uh, deep. You know. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, one more here before we hit a break. Another first baseman from my Boston Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck has turned into, I, I'm not even sure where this is coming from because Bobby, Bobby Dahlbeck looked like absolute crap. Like, sorry, <laughs> sorry for like, that's just how he looked. Like, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I watch all the games or as so many as I can with my schedule and he just did not look good. He was getting benched earlier in the year because he couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag. And, you know, the approach is still an issue, but I saw a stat that they put up here on the uh, Sunday Night Baseball game on ESPN that he has the fourth highest OPS in baseball over the second half of the year, only behind uh, Yasmani Grandal was oddly third. um, Didn't realize that. And then, of course, it's Bryce Harper and Juan Soto ahead by like a million points. But yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck fourth. Uh, That one kind of shocked me, but he has. I I knew he was doing well, but you actually look at the numbers here in the second half of the season. And I didn't realize like, he was doing this well 
Uh, second half of the year, 288, 367. Uh, my screen's freaking out here. Where'd it go? Um, uh, 644 slash 14 home runs in 180 plate appearances. Chris, are you a believer in this dollback? Do you think it's just a hot stretch? Where are you at on him? Um, I think it's legit. I, I think that he's this is the type of player we should expect. Obviously, his average might be a little inflated from what we've seen, but still, I think he's a 260 type hitter. He's got massive raw power. So I think you could reasonably expect him to hit 30 plus pretty easily. It's yeah. funny, you, you compare like profiles, and obviously, he's not but like I could see he, he has a similar feel to like the Tyler O'Neill without the speed. And obviously the average, I, th- I think you give it to Tyler O'Neill a little bit, but another player that's surprisingly similar to is someone I know we're going to talk about after the break. And that's Austin Riley, who Riley's hitting over 300 and Dahlbeck's hitting 246, which is quite interesting, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And this is a Braves fan. I don't like saying this, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were similar players next year. It really wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, they're going to go 200 spots apart in drafts. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and it's interesting because Dahlbeck, one, another thing outside of the raw power, and I saw him a, b- a bunch here in AA Portland a few years back, you know, obviously the power is was his calling card, but he also walked at a high clip, which is something yeah. he hasn't really done. Like this year, 6.4%, that's under major league average. So that's kind of odd uh, to see him kind of take that downtrend in the walk rate. But yeah, all the quality of contact metrics are very, very good. He has a 20.2% barrel rate, and he had 22% last year. He just barrels up pitches. Exit velo 92.4, max exit 115.6, you know, 48.2% hard hit rate. It's all there. A lot of red in terms of quality of contact. And he actually has a 70th percentile sprint speed too, which is higher than I thought it would be. But yeah, I, I've said it time and time again on, on multiple podcasts and in multiple articles over the years writing about Bobby Dahlbeck. His swing is just tailor made for Fenway Park. He's, you know, I think he's going to be an annual 30 home run guy. You know, and a lot of doubles too, just peppering that monster, putting them in the monster seats. And he can use the entire field well as well, too. So, but um, Lauren, what, what are your thoughts on Dahlbeck here moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm buying in right now. And um, it was a little surprising, but I think like, looking closer, I think, you know, looking at his walk rate, like what you had said, I think, you know, since, first of all, I mean, since August 1st, I mean, he's just been kind of on fire. He's got, you know, 315 batting average, 419 ISO, and a 196 WRC. Plus. And, um, I think that he's tried to make adjustments or has made adjustments to his plate discipline. Um, you know, since that August 1st, he's got a 10.6 walk rate and a 27.5 uh, strikeout rate. And that's uh, kind of compared to a 4.4 walk rate and a 37.5 uh, K rate uh, prior to um, August 1st. So, you know, to me, I see that and I look at his minor league uh, you know, uh, walk rates and that kind of double digit, uh, walk rate is it's, you know, that's what he had in minor and minor leagues. And so I think he's, he's been making adjustments in that area. And I think that, that it's, it's been paying off. And so, um, you know, I, it's kind of been fun uh, to watch him and, uh, I think it, it can carry over into, uh, 2022. I hope so. As a Red Sox fan, yeah. I really hope so. I mean, who needs, you know, who needs Rizzo? You know, I know there was this, it's like, you know, it's like at the trade <laughs> deadline, it's like, where was Rizzo? We've got, we only have Bobby Dahlbeck, you know, but it's like, he's, yep. he's come on strong, you know, and yeah. I think you would take Dahlbeck, you know, right now over Rizzo. I think I would. Rizzo has not looked good Mm-mm. when he went to the Yankees and, uh, you know, who knows what he has left in the tank there. I, I don't yeah. think he's done, but it definitely his best years are behind him, but 
yeah, just this transformation from Bobby Dahl back the last couple of months. Like you look at his his walk to strikeout ratios and in the two months prior uh, to his breakout, so June and July, three to thirty two and one to twenty five. So that's four walks to fifty nine Ks in forty two games in June and July combined. Then August and September so far eight and eighteen, and then seven twenty one, so fifteen thirty nine. So um, I don't know if I think this type of strikeout rate can continue. Maybe it's it's somewhere in the middle. Like he's a upper 20s guy which i think will will play uh but yeah definitely very um very into these improvements for bobby Dahl, both as a a fantasy guy and as a red sox fan because having that type of guy hitting like you know sixth seventh in the order with that type of power just kind of stretches that lineup even more outside of bogey and jd and everyone endeavors so um loved seeing dolphics improvements here but let's go ahead and take a quick break we'll come back on the other side and get into some braves talks so don't go anywhere Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. We got two Braves fans in the house with Chris and Lauren. So let's talk some Braves, three players in particular. Uh, Chris alluded to one of them a little while ago. Austin Riley just hasn't stopped hitting. I just mentioned he's, he's, I think he might get some top five MVP votes this year. I think that's really in the, I don't think he'll win it. Obviously you're getting any top three because of the three studs at the top out there in, in the national league. But uh, definitely one of the better hitters in the National League this year, hitting over 300, surprisingly. Never thought that would happen. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he would maybe be like a 260-270 guy. But yeah, 303, 369, 530, 32 home runs, 100 RBI, 88 runs scored. Uh, but no steals. What a bum. But uh, yeah, nothing. You know, look at the improvements he's made. Walk rate's been trending up. K rate's been, you know, gotten a lot better since his debut. He's kind of settled in as like a 24, 25% guy. Pretty good quality of contact metrics. Not elite, but definitely above average. Uh, are, are both of you buying in? I, I, I Personally, as an outsider, a non-Braves fan, I am. But I want, want to get two Braves fans' thoughts here. So are you guys buying into this level of Austin Riley? And is he a top 50 fantasy guy moving forward? I'm buying in for a rest of season. I think he's just going to run this out. And it's it's been fun watching. You know, I think thinking about you know, next season, you know, is he a top 50 guy? Yeah. You know, as much as I want to say, yes, I don't think that he is. And I think that, you know, this is Chris alluded to this earlier where, you know, he's not a 304 hitter and he doesn't steal. So say, you know, he's a career 271 uh, bat. And, you know, if you see his average go down to, I don't know, say 275, maybe 280, and that may be generous. Um, he's not providing any steals. He's still going to, I think he still can, he's got, I believe in the, in the power. Um, and he's got that great lineup, that potent lineup. So I think that you're set kind of with, you know, power and some counting stats, but if that average were to fall, um, and I think, you know, it, it's going to fall from three or four, but it depends how far it falls, you know, then you're just kind of looking at someone who I think is a really strong kind of three category. I call it like a three and a half category uh, contributor. And 
that's I don't that's not going to cut it for top top fifty. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting. Like his his season numbers are like peak Anthony Rendon, which you know we pay top thirty value for Anthony Rendon coming off a thirty four home run, three hundred season, and that's what Riley's done. So it's interesting. I'll be curious where his value ends up next year. Probably won't pay it. I don't really pay up for career seasons like this because typically these guys go too high. But it's certainly interesting to look at, especially if you break it down pitch by pitch. Last season he hit. <laughs> 047, sorry, 074 against off-speed pitches. This oh, year, three. That, that's much better. 074 is much better than 047. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. A little <laughs> dyslexia there. <laughs> 346 this year, though, against off-speed, which is a, a huge improvement. And you wonder how much of it is legit. Even his XBA on off-speed pitches is still 288. So much improvement there. And you look back even in 2019, he still hit 250 against those off-speed pitches. So maybe there was. Some major and there were major adjustments. There's no way you go full season and hit 300 without major adjustments. He's made major strides in this game, and, and we've seen the results, and it's been incredible to watch. And I think he even started making those strides last season. We just didn't really get to see it play out fully because the season ended abruptly, you know, two months in, and he was making those strides in September, and then season's over. So we didn't really get to see the the full fruition of it. But he he jumped exponentially contact rate last year, and the strikeout rate dropped significantly last year. And that's exactly what he's done this year. He's been been consistent, except we've seen the batting average go way up. The the BABIP is pretty high for a player of his speed at, at 364. Like, I don't think that's sustainable, but I, I think he could be a 280 hitter. So if he's a 280 hitter that hits 30 home runs, maybe goes 90, 100 runs in RBIs, I wonder how valuable that is with no steals, but it's still a valuable bat. Not sure if he's top 50, but I think that certainly his season this year warrants that, in my opinion. So you think he's more like t- top 80 to 90 guy? Is that a better range for him, you think? I think in around 75 would be reasonable. Yeah, I was going to say, is it even, oh, sorry, go on. No, you're good. I just, I just think there's going to be bad and average regression, and I don't think people will factor in for that. They When they see someone hit three home runs and hit 30, mm. or 30 home runs and hit 300, they're going to jump all over it, and the price tag is just going to be too high. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He, he went 73rd in that mock draft I was in, so. I I, I like that. I think I think that's pretty fair for for what he can bring. Um, yeah, I, I think obviously I don't think he's at a, like kind of like O'Neill. I don't think he's a continued this level, but definitely like you, you heard the you know the improvements he made going into last year. Uh, but you know the holes they saw in his swing, and they really worked to fix that. So like the, the, those types of improvements, those tangible improvements and, and adjustments were made. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm surprised he's hitting over 300. I don't think that I'm with Lauren. I don't think that'll continue, but. I think 270, 280, 30 home run, 100 RBI type of guy is definitely possible. But yeah, his lack of speed keeps him outside top 50 for me as well. Uh, another hitter, like I, I, all I wrote on the sheet was WTF Adam Duvall. <laughs> like who, who thought? Like show of hands, who had Adam Duvall leading the National League in RBI as we entered the last week of the season? Like no one. I know I probably could have listed 50, at least 50 to 75 players ahead of him. Um, but then you, you look at Adam Duvall's career. And whenever he's had like played a full season outside of 2018, when the kind of the bottom came out and he hit 195 and 138 games, every other year he's played 130 plus games, which was 2016, 2017, and now this year he's been a 30, 100 type of guy. In 2016, 33 and 103. 2017, both these were Cincinnati, 3199. This year, 38 and 111 between Miami and Atlanta. So. 
Um, all of these with averages in the 230 to 245 range. He's always been that type of, that type of hitter. Uh, I think his career high in any one year, 2019, when he hit 267 in just 41 games. So, um, but yeah, Duvall has been cranking it. Chris, what have been your thoughts on Duvall? Do you think he's a, you know, if he gets a full time gig next year, whether that be uh, in Atlanta or elsewhere, is he a free agent after this year? I think he has a, he uh, a team option. It's, uh, it's only option. like seven million still exercise it. I'm oh, yeah, so I'll pick that up. So with how he's played, he's got to have a, a spot next year, right? You got to think even with Acuna coming back, um, do you think he can be another 30, 100 type of guy next year? Uh, potentially. I mean, it's certainly been a surprise and he's been stellar since coming over to Atlanta. And you think some of that has to do with the fact that we're in the middle of a pennant race as opposed to the Marlins who weren't. So there's more incentive to perform and it's been dominant 42 RBIs since since July 30th and 15 home runs. Pretty impressive. You mentioned the bag average. You're not expecting much there. Just 235, slightly below 300 OBP. Still striking out 32.7% of the time, but the power's there, and you've gotten what you've asked for, considering Mm -hmm. I think he's hit more home runs this year with the Braves than Alex Jackson has hits in his entire career. That's what you (laughs) traded. I mean, we we got our our values worth. Yeah, you did. You, you put out that tweet, that tweet like last week or whatever it was. But yeah, you know what they gave up? It was like a bunch of nothing. What's Alex Jackson? Who did the two they gave up? They gave up uh, Casey Kalick to for uh, Solaire, and then sent Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario. So Pablo, yeah. that's right. Sandoval. Yeah, as much and, as I want to hate Sandoval, I can't do it. He's you can't. How you can't hate him, dude? He's he stinks down, but you know, Sandoval <laughs> is the reason the Braves are leading the division. He had three walk off pinch hit home runs in April. He, like, yeah, don't realize that. Yeah. yeah. So the Braves are two and a half up, and he had three pinch hit walk off homers. So thanks, Pablo. You did what you needed to do. <laughs> you, you guys, you guys send, him, send him a ring. I know. If you guys win, well, he, he probably will. That's how, how it goes. But yeah, definitely send that guy a ring. Yeah. yeah. He's always been that type of guy, too. Like, never good overall, but always has like those clutch moments. Like, wherever he goes, San Fran, not really so much in Boston, but. Um, always that clutch guy, the postseason guy. Like when the lights are the brightest, he kind of steps up somehow, some mm-hmm. way. Um, but yeah, another brave here that's been kind of turning things around after early season struggles. Max Freed, uh, up to uh, 312 ERA now with a 111 whip and 23.7% strikeout rate in, in 27 starts. Really been kind of turning it on the last couple months here. Um, a lot of people have been like, I put up my dynasty starting pitcher rankings and I didn't have him top 20. And some people are like, Oh, why don't you have Max Freed? For me, it's the case. I don't, mm-hmm. he's kind of been settled in as like a 23, 24% K rate guy. Decent. It's like right around league average, but you know, for a top 20 SP, you gotta have a K rate a little higher than that. And I don't think he's really capable of that, but uh, what, what are you, what are your thoughts on Max Freed, Lauren? Do you think he can be a guy that can elevate that K rate uh, and become an ace? Or do you think this is kind of, kind of what he is like a, a solid number two? Yeah, no, I think, I think this is what he is. You know, he's not going to blow you away with, with those K's, uh, but he will help you, you know, he'll, he'll help uh, stabilize your ratios though, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, he's kind of had a bit of an up and down uh, season, but he's really turned on. If you look at his first half versus his second half, it's just kind of like it's it's night and day. I think that he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's got a solid three pitch arsenal. You know, he works with his fastball, his curve and his slider. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's it's kind of like a, you know, 
it's the comp like the uh kyle Hendricks, you know where it's just like <laughs> that's, that's he's, my he's, favorite comp like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like when you when no one when you've got a pitcher who's not giving you like a ton of strikes but uh he, he balances you out you know he stabilizes yep. your ratios and i those guys are always good to have you always want to have some of those in your rotation um it's just a matter of where are you you know how high do they go and you know lots of people say okay we'll say he's like a 25 top 25 pitcher is that too too high if he's not giving you the strikeouts i think it just depends how you've made your roster construction at that point but so for me you know i'm always interested in a ratio stabilizer and um so i just kind of look at look at that before you know, and I think that, you know, he's, he's so, he, he brings value basically. And it's just not with the strikeouts. And sometimes that's okay. I think. I just love that you use the Kyle Hendricks comp, but that's like my comp for every like solid, <laughs> like good ratio. So, so K rate comp. It says, I hate using it all the time, but I was just like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He's like a Kyle Hendricks. I'm like, I gotta think of a different comp. It's a <laughs> universal, you it, know I mean? It's it really just, is. People know what you're talking about. Well, just, just not 2021 Kyle Hendricks. Cause that's <laughs> right. been a totally different Kyle yes, Hendricks, but yeah. uh, like pre 2021 Kyle Hendricks for sure. Uh, Chris, what do you, what are your thoughts on Frazier? Yeah. And you know, I was curious, I pulled up on the, the Rasball player writer and he's, he's been a, he's 14th overall starting pitcher, which is pretty interesting considering yeah. the strikeouts. I mean, I, it's hard to call a sub 25% strikeout guy an ace. And even in the strong second half, he's still only got a 24 and a half percent strikeout rate. The biggest difference he's seen the walk rate tick down a ton. It's below 5% in the second half, which is obviously aided the ERA and a whip 0.87, which is pretty impressive. And, the second half has just been stellar. As you mentioned, Lauren, the night and day, 178 ERA in the second half in 86 innings will play all day and just 80 strikeouts. But even still, you know, if he strikes out close to a batter in inning, he's so good at limiting hard contact. And that, that was the biggest thing last year we saw in the breakout. He didn't strike out a lot of guys last year, but he limited hard contact well. And that's what he does. He, he doesn't spin the ball well. He doesn't have like elite velocity or anything, but he just gets out. He keeps the ball on the ground and limits the hard contact, and he strikes out enough to get the job done. And we have to remember that this guy was a first-round pick out of high school in 2012. He's seventh overall pick to the Padres. So the talent and pedigree have always been there, and it's good to see him finally coming into his own. You know, with the strikeout rate, it's tough to really say. I think he's a, I think he's a borderline top 20 guy, especially with how he limits hard contact and the good ratios that he gives you. I think that he's well-rounded enough that – he can give you that solid. See, especially what we've seen second half has been so impressive how he's re rebounded from a rough start. So I'm certainly excited to see where he continues to go, but he's, he's been the Braves ace this year next to Morton and, and been extremely impressive. So yeah, I'm definitely a fan. Yeah. And he uh, also gives you a little bit of win potential too, you know, for sure. Braves, and he's so. done that consistently. That's the thing. He mm -hmm. just, he always puts up big win numbers. Mm -hmm. So that in a five by five league, that, that helps you a ton. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah even though people don't like using wins, but that's still the standard, you know, mm -hmm. wins, K saves, ERA, whip, still the standard five categories for, for most fantasy leagues, especially people that are listening to this show probably use those categories. Um, so yeah, but I'll tie him uh, this next guy in, because I think they're in similar ranges, um, both for 2022 and beyond. Who would you both rather have long-term? Let's say, let's start 2022 Max Freed or another guy that's kind of came on here in the second half of the season. Frankie Montas, Lauren, who you got? Well, they're so. Um, uh, it's tough, isn't it? Ugh, yeah. Um, 
like Montas has the higher K rate. That splitter is absolutely filthy, but you know, only really has two pitches with a, um, I pulled up a savant page here, two pitches with a batting average against under 270, like slider yeah, and keep, fast yeah. slider and sinker both getting hit pretty hard. Kind of, he has better stuff. I think Montas yeah. has better stuff, right? I would agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, the K's aren't coming with that. Um, I feel like Freed actually has a little bit of a better track record, but I think I would roll with a little bit of upside and I would go with Montas actually, I think, oh, okay. um, which I'm surprised. I just said that, but I'm going to roll with that. <laughs> hey, you got, you got to take, take your, your personal fandom and out of it as you know, an analyst. And I, I, yeah, I'm surprised, but you know, Montas has, I think he's been successful. He's been changing up his pitch, his pitch mix, uh, uh, first half to second half, and he's been throwing his sinker less, which really wasn't effective for him. And yeah, that's, that's, that was um, a good change because yeah, yeah and batting average yeah. against a three twelve on that yeah. sinker. So. Moving, yeah, it's like okay, so that's good to see. He's moving more to his splitter, which is his whiff. He's got it. I think it's his whiff pitch. He's got a fifty one point eight percent whiff rate on it. So that's that's too shabby, right? Yeah, it's, not, um, it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, I like. I guess I kind of like to see those improvements and, you know, I was like, it's just kind of nice to see pitchers adjust. And if, if they do well, it's always fun to watch. Um, so I guess maybe for a little more razzle dazzle and upside, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going with Montas. I, I personally, I actually will still go with Freed. I think it's really close mm-hmm. and, and Montas went pretty high. I, I already closed out of the mock, but he, I remember he went pretty high. Uh, I think he was a top 20 arm in that mock I was referencing mm-hmm. earlier. Um, I don't know. I just never am buying into Montas. Like you mentioned, Freed does have the better track record. Montas mm-hmm. has always been kind of up and down. Like he's had, what was that year? 20, was it 19 where he was absolutely dominant for like three months or so. But yeah, outside of that, it's been pretty up and down. So I, I just don't like those types of up and down type of players. And yeah, I, I think he should just ditch the sinker. Like the four seamer yeah. has been a much better fastball for him. 219 batting average against. Let's go four seam splitter slider. Maybe he incorporates another pitch into that and, and maybe get a cutter. I don't know, but yeah, definitely I'm buying back into Montas, but he, I don't think he's going to be a guy I get anywhere next year. I think there's always going to be somebody in every league I'm in that likes Montas more than I do. and won't take him much higher than I'm willing to go. So I'll still lean freed. Um, Chris, who are you taking here? I think it's fair. Yeah. I prefer freed, but I, I, do think it's easy to say Montas has more upside. Also, I would think agree with he, that, yeah. he has a lot more volatility as well, which mm-hmm. is certainly concerning. Why, yeah. He's even looking at the month to month pitch mix, like July when he really transformed things, he went heavy split finger and he's dropped it down each month 34% in July, 27% in August, and 22% this month. And I know it's been working, but like that's his best pitch. Why is he using it less? And he's back using the sinker more than it this month. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me, but mm-hmm. I guess if, if it's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, and when your pitch is that good, I think you should use it the most of any pitch in your arsenal. So I'll be curious to see. I think if they're at similar draft points, I'd take freed, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. For, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious from that draft where they went, but I feel like Freed's going to have a higher ADP just in general, but who knows? So. I could be totally off base there. Yeah, it's it's probably gonna be pretty close. Like, I I just pulled up. Uh, I should just keep this draft up here just to reference it more. <laughs> Montas went to Matt Williams at pick was that seventy three, and uh, Freed went. Oh, same round a little bit later. Yeah, he went pick eighty three, so ten spots oh. later. So, yeah, I think I think there'll be you know 
roughly similar spots, you know, up and down, depending on what the who's in the draft. But both back yeah. end top 100 guys for me. But I'd, I'd much rather have Freed there because yeah. I think there's a little more stability. Even though Freed hasn't been that stable this year, and he's had some ups and downs as well, I just see a, a safer profile there. And I've just mm-hmm. never been a big Montas guy. I, I don't know why. I, I haven't mm-hmm. been able to put my finger on it. But, I mean, I like him. He's decent. But I just never been able to go as high as others um, have. Like, he was taken before. Um, we'll see some guys who's taken before here. Uh, yeah, I got Clayton Kershaw three picks after Montas went. So, um, wow. I, I would much rather, and I've never been a huge Kershaw guy either just because of the injuries, but you know, I'd much rather have Clayton Kershaw there. Logan Webb went after Montas, uh, Jack Flaherty, mm-hmm. Carlos Rodone, Trevor Rogers, yeah. uh, Bassett, McCullers, these all Manoa, all guys went after Montas here. So, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know about that, that though. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's a little much for me, but you know, I I do think there's some uh, back end top 100 vibes with him, and I'm I'm okay with yeah. that. But if he's going top 75, I'm I'm totally out there. Yeah. Um, moving on to a couple of others here uh, up in Milwaukee, Eric Lauer and Aaron Ashby have been performing very well. Kind of some under the radar guys that are you know getting on the radar now. I picked up Ashby and uh, excuse me, uh, Lauer in a lot of leagues. I've been trying to get Ashby here. Uh, James Anderson from Rotowire recently just said Ashby is his number one pitching prospect right now, which is very interesting. I, I, I don't agree with it. I have, I have Grayson Rodriguez as my one, but it was very interesting reasoning. And, you know, James is a very smart guy and Ashby you know, at Milwaukee. Look what they've done with pitching over the last couple of years. Corbin Burns, Brendan Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Ashby could be the next guy. Like this is turning into a scary rotation. And Lauer is not that type of guy. He's not the big flashy guy. You know, his savant page is lit up with red, but, 293 ERA in 113 and two-thirds innings, 112 whip. You know, he's performing well. So, uh, Lauren, what are your thoughts on each of these of these guys here? Do you think there's some um, a reason to believe in them for 2022, or are you kind of you know, maybe kind of staying away right now? Uh, I'm really into Aaron Ashby. I like Aaron Ashby a lot. You know, he, he kind of ticks those uh, boxes off of – he's a ground ball pitcher. You know, he had a 14.21K uh, per nine in the minors, so there's that strikeout potential as well. Yep. Um, you know, he's got uh, – he does have some command issues, um, but he's he's been pretty good at limiting home runs. Um, and he's got – he's got a – it's limited innings. He's only pitched 28 innings uh, in the majors, but uh, he's at 33.9% uh, CSW. So I was like, well, he's got some stuff. And I think a lot of his ERA estimators – they're sub, you know, uh, 350, they're like 320, the 320 FIP, 288 XFIP, and a 302 Sierra. Um, you know, he's, he's got a really good slider, um, is his uh, whiff pitch at 43.2%. I like him. I like uh, I like him a little bit more than Eric Lauer, although they're kind of different pitchers, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eric Lauer is, is kind of more of that, you know, he's going to, give you probably a, a strikeout per inning um you know but he's he's been really great you know in his last uh five starts um in set in september uh he has a 115 era a 0.70 uh whip uh and his, his strikeout rate is a 27.8 percent uh there but i think on on the whole he's he's a k per inning guy um he also does have some uh command issues as well but uh he's good at uh you know limiting the long ball i just i think um it's interesting because I think that he came over from from San Diego and didn't see a ton of him uh, last season. But you know, speaking to that uh, kind of Brewers magic and that pitching uh, development that they've got over there, I think that uh, he could be a pretty solid pitcher next season. But I I prefer uh, Ashby uh, between the two of them. 
Yeah, I'm really buying into Ashby, not to James Anderson's level, but I really like Ashby a lot. Like you mentioned that slider, great whiff pitch, only a 0.59 batting average against of that. Decent little change up too, 32.6% whiff rate there, 190 batting average against. You know, averages 96.4 miles an hour on his sinker. So and definitely there's the the pieces there. Like you kind of get this, you know, pre-Corbin Burns breakout vibe, pre-Freddie Peralta breakout vibe. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, the third coming of those two guys, but you know, with Milwaukee's recent track record of success and how these guys have looked, you know, you got to really look into what they're doing there. And Ashby's a guy that could be, you know, a nice breakout guy next year. And Lauer, you know, he's, he's just been solid. Like, so it doesn't have anything flashy in the profile. doesn't have huge whiff rate. It doesn't even have one pitch with a 30% whiff rate, but this gets the job done. Well, limits, hard contact. It's average exit velocity. Uh, this year is uh, 88.6. So, um, yeah, no, excuse me. Uh, yeah, 88.6. Doesn't walk that many guys. 24.4 key rate is still decent enough. X ERA is almost a full run higher. So I think there's some regression. But um, yeah, he's just maybe a, a nice back end guy moving forward. Mm-hmm. And Ashby definitely has that upside. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Lauer, you could argue, has had a better second half than Freed. We just talked about how good Freed's second half was. And Lauer's ERA is right there with Freed's, and he had more strikeouts. So pretty interesting there. I think that he's still going to be a back-end guy in drafts next year and one that's worth a, a stab at, in my opinion, because even if he doesn't repeat it and you draft a guy in the three to 400 range, you just drop him if they're bad. But I think that if he performs this level again, he's a great ratio stabilizer. Even if he's a high threes ERA with a strikeout in inning, you get that in the 300 range and you're getting a lot of production there. Ashby, I think that he's next year's Alex Man- Alec Manoa. Like We saw Manoa come on strong this year. Wouldn't surprise me to see Ashby make that jump next year and be a top 20 type arm. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I think that he's definitely a starter next year. I think they build him up and and he they let him run with it. And wouldn't be surprised at all to see him take a big step forward. He's obviously, we've what we've seen has been highly impressive. He just doesn't locate the fastball well. I think that's his biggest hindrance. And if he can start to locate the sinker, force him a little better, then we're going to see a huge jump and you know, the batting average against his, his sinker is three Oh four this year, which, which isn't good, but he's also leaving it right over the heart of the plate. You look at the heat map and it's just right over the middle. So guys are obviously going to hit that. He's throwing that pitch 36% of the time, obviously with a sinker, you want it down in the zone and he's not really doing that consistently. So I think that that's the one change that he needs to make and he could be borderline elite. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him take that jump and, He's that caliber guy, and with the development that the Brewers have had, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. So I'm all in. I, I'm curious as where his ADP ends up. I, it probably gets really inflated when when someone like James comes out and says that he's the top <laughs> pitching prospect. And right. He's already in the majors. He's going to go really high. So I'm curious what you're going to probably pay around like pick 150 to get him. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our last segment here. You know, with the season winding down, we got a week left. So let's talk about some players that we either hit or missed on this year. Uh, it could be either or if you want to talk about just some players you hit on or two you missed on, whatever. But Lauren, who were a couple of players that you hit or missed on this year? I I missed on Vlad Guerrero. <laughs> yeah. um, I think we all did. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things that's just like, I mean, I looked at kind of his, uh, you, you know, with him, it was just like he was hitting the ball like really hard, but it was just they were worm burners, right? I mean, he, yeah. his, his ground ball, you know, rate was around like 50% and a little bit higher. And, you know, his launch angle had gone down and I was like, listen, I get, I know what your potential is, right? It's like, I just, 
was just like, let me just, let me just see if he can get the ball, like elevate the ball and, you know, increase your launch angle. And um, he figured it out, you know? And um, so that's been kind of interesting to see, but I'm, I'm happy for him. It's like, it's like crazy. He's, is he leading the league right now? Is, is he, is he has like 46 home runs, I think. Um, um, I think he's, yeah, he's tied with Sal Perez. I get another well, one that's, that I Who got that one. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. What I mean, and then, and then know, four, and... fourth is Marcus Semien. You know, oh, like who saw yeah. that coming? Yeah, um, and you know, I referenced uh, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. You know, I got him wrong because I prematurely kind of uh, put him in his fantasy uh, deathbed, and I think it was something that um, I just thought you'd see a big kind of drop off in power. And I think with some of these these guys, you know, it's just like unless you really kind of start to see it, don't don't put someone prematurely, you know, off, you know, I think that, um, cause as he's, he's, he's displayed this, this season, you know, he's has, he has a lot left in the tank. So, um, I got Paul Goldschmidt wrong for kind of a different, uh, reason. Um, and you know, I got, I guess on an, another player, uh, Eugenio Suarez, you know, I feel like that kind of power oh, yeah. potential sometimes sucks you in. And I just didn't realize, you know, I knew his, you know, he was pulling the, he was selling out for power. He was pulling the the ball a little bit more. Um, and I knew that there would be a average drop. I just didn't realize just how poor that average mm. would continue to drop. And it's at a point where it's just, he's just really tough to roster. So um, I will probably like never buy in on him again from here on out. So there's a couple of guys that I got wrong. Chris, how about you? Um, well, Aaron Nola is a guy that I drafted high in a lot of places. And you hate to even say that I was wrong on him. Yet from a surface level, like the 464 ERA has been killer when you had to draft him second round. But I don't know. People have kind of gone at me on Twitter about this, but I think Aaron Nola is going to be a great value pick next year. I mean, you look at everything he's done and he's, you know, strikeout rates, the highest of his career over a full season outside of last year, only 71 innings. The walk rate is by far the lowest of his career. He's made a lot of strides and he's just had a lot of bad luck. I mean, the Babip's running really high. The strand rate's really low. His Sierra's 320, the FIPS 338. And so all season, I've just been sitting there waiting for him to come back to Aaron Nola level. And he just hasn't, you know, even his contacts down a little bit, like he's, allowing less contact in the zone, which is impressive. So I don't know. I'm struggling with him and really what's gone wrong because under the hood, everything looks so good. And it's hard to say. I mean, yes, he's been disappointing where you had to draft him. And so that's been tough. Obviously, we all missed on Vlad. (laughs) Nobody saw this. Well, we we knew the upside was there, but no one picked him high enough to warrant that. I got him in one league, and I picked him at 48 overall in an OBP league. So that's been a, a monster team especially considering I had Acuna on that team. So Acuna going down and having Vlad you know, to replace him was fantastic. Um, Alec Bohm was another one I had on a lot of teams. Got yes, him. I, I was going to say Bohm, yeah. That was yeah, too. Around pick 100, I had a lot of a lot of Bohm and just not good at all. I mean, the power wasn't there. The batting average wasn't there. The OBP wasn't there. There was just nothing there despite him hitting the ball extremely hard. And, you know, there's a little case of Vlad here just hits the ball hard on the ground. I think it's fixable. I I think we could see him come back. And I think that, you know, in a dynasty league, especially like you could go out and get him for nothing right now. And it'd be a good pick if you have the roster spot, because I do think that that bone figures it out. He's a much better hitter than this. He's just mashing the ball into the ground. And I think we could see that come back, you know, launch angle of 5.7 degrees this year was not good at all. And it was, it was 4.8 degrees last year. So that was something, you know, should have looked more into. 
but he had a hard hit rate of 50.2%. Yeah. The, the average Jags velocity of 92.4 miles an hour was, you know, 91st percentile among all hitters. So I think it's in there. We'll just have to give them some time. I, some of these guys just require a little more time. So yeah, those are a couple that I had on a lot of teams to just kind of, you know, hurt me for sure. But yeah, yeah that's tough. Yeah. Boehm is one of the one, one of the ones I missed on for sure. Uh, I'll start quickly at three that kind of pop out. I was calling Bobish at a top 10 guy uh, preseason and that definitely hits people are like, Oh, I don't know if he's top 10 yet, but um, he right now he's the top 10 player for sure. Uh, Mitch Hanneker is a guy I, I called a, I had him in my outfield. Was it one of my outfield breakout articles? I forget how I worded it, but um, yeah, he's been kind of up and down, but 35 home runs, top 50 player. Uh, so that's definitely hit. And I was buying on Freddie Peralta before the year too. got him on a lot of teams. That's worked out very, very well. Uh, but it's two that I really, really whiffed on um, on the pitching side, Zach Wheeler and Robbie Ray. Like <laughs> I was, writing off Robbie Ray, you know, walk rates, command issues. I thought he was kind of was going to be a guy that kind of like uh, Gio Gonzalez five, six years ago, would just kind of kind of sail off into the sunset and not be relevant anymore. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> uh, couldn't be more wrong about that as he's, you know, a top five pitcher this year and in the running for the American League. Cy Young along with like Garrett Cole basically are the top two. So we whiffed on him and then Zach Wheeler I whiffed on too. I, I didn't think – I didn't write him off like I did with Robbie Ray – but you know, I looked at you know the K rate last year. I was like, yeah, maybe he's just like a mid rotation fantasy arm. Uh, didn't think he could, even though you know the stuff is there. So I should I should have you know looked at the stuff. Like all right, that K rate's got to tick up. I, that should have clicked for me. For some reason that didn't, and I wasn't drafting him anywhere. I did get traded for him in one dynasty league mid season, my home league. But besides that, no Zach Wheeler shares, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, those are two I definitely missed on. And I wrote up Jose Altuve, too. Uh, I think a lot of people wrote up Jose Altuve a little too early. Yeah, the speed's kind of gone still, but hitting for average, hitting for power, good Houston lineup. So uh, nice little resurgence here from Jose Altuve. So that's another one I missed on. Wrote wrote him off a little too early. And Joey Votto, too. You know, the old guy is producing well, you know. Um, So I think I quit on Joey Votto. I've always been a Joey Votto guy, too, so I hated Mm -hmm. that I quit on him. Didn't get him anywhere this year, and then he's done this, so. That kind of that kind of was a bummer, but um, yeah, that's gonna wrap us up. Lauren, thanks for coming on. That was a, that was a blast. Thanks for having me. It was fun. It was fun being here. Yeah, we'll have to get you back on again. I'll, uh, I'll be here. Yeah, just let me know. Absolutely. Um, thanks to everyone again for listening this week. We hope you all enjoyed this. You can follow us all on Twitter. Lauren is at LK Auerbach. Uh, Chris is at Rotoclag. I am at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Make sure to tune in again next week for more Dynasty and Prospect Talk. But until then, everyone take care. fans. It's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?